With spring right around the corner, maybe you like me, you're excited to get out for longer walks and runs, pick up a new book to read outside, or just get out and explore new neighborhoods and food. Or we could do all three wrapped in one. Our friends over at Read and Run Chicago are expanding to nearby Lamont for three different meetups. The group is like a combination running club, book club, and neighborhood tour, and each route in Lamont is about three miles paired with a different book from Pat Camaliere's Corotazi Historical Mystery Series. Afterwards, you'll get to sit down with the author and historian and sample some food from local restaurants. The first run is Saturday, March 23rd. Spots are limited and are going to go fast. So register now at readandrunchicago.com or find the link on their Instagram at readandrunchicago. Today on CityCast Chicago, local TV and film actors held another rally downtown last week as the actors and writers strikes continue and production remains shut down. Clint Worthington is a freelance TV and film critic who's been covering the strike. He's here to give us an update about what it means for Chicago's industry and what viewers can expect on this side of the screen. It's Monday, August 7th. I'm Simona Alicea in for Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago's talking about. Clint, welcome to CityCast Chicago. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Can you tell me what is sort of the latest that we know of so far in negotiations? Has there been any significant movement since actors joined the strike? It's been pretty much at a standstill. You know, there was a solidarity walk in, in Grant Park just a few weeks ago with like more than a thousand, which comprised like the, va- I think the majority of unionized like SAG members and SAG and WGA members in the city. I know that as of last week, there were glimmers of a potential sit down with WGA, but I know WGA like strike leaders are sort of telling people to temper expectations because they've been down this road before. Uh, but otherwise, frustratingly, it seems as though the executives are kind of holding to that rumored uh, that deadline uh, story that came out a little bit where some anonymous executives or people close to them were talking about how they just kind of want to sit and wait out the strike and see how far uh, strike, uh, how, how far people's savings are, are saved up. And, you know, that that weird quote about uh, people losing their apartments and their homes and then coming back to the negotiating table. It's been uh, it's been a pretty frustrating time, honestly, even sitting outside of it, just hoping for a peaceful resolution to the strike to see um, how intransigent it seems that the, the negotiations are are being. Do the studios here have any have any standing, have any point here that they're that they're trying to make that is uh, that is legitimate? I mean, it's tough after that reporting out, of you know, after reporting said, like, we're waiting for people to lose their apartments. Uh, mm-hmm. It's tough to, like, come back from that. But, you know, is there any leg the, to stand on here? It's tough. It's really hard to see things like Bob Iger calling the claims unrealistic when he pulled $31 million in personal income last year while people are struggling to keep their homes. When the vast majority of these unions don't qualify for the mere $26,000 a year it takes to qualify for health insurance. Um, I think there was a reporting a week or two ago that said that the sum total of money that studios would end up paying out if the studios met the the union's demands uh, is somewhere in the realm of 450 to 500 million dollars a year, which sounds like a lot until you imagine the sheer amount of profit 
that the film and TV industry nationwide and globally makes. And um, when you're wanting to allocate, when you don't want to take that from the people who are acting in your, in your productions and writing the productions, then that feels super greedy. And um, and just also people want to be able to know that their job isn't going to be taken over by a, a wonky AI algorithm in the near future. This is the time to decide that. And especially since most people are watching stuff on streaming, they want to know how many people are watching it and how much money they're actually going to get from people watching something over and over. So those are the issues that people are, are worried about. But and so I think in that context, I don't think it's unreasonable at all. I'll I'll point out too that uh five hundred million dollars is uh what one thirty second of the city of Chicago's entire budget. It's uh right. like one one third of the, the Chicago uh less than that. It's like one sixth of the Chicago police budget. It's uh right, it's exactly. not a lot of money when we're talking about this scale. Exactly. And I think even at that rally, uh, one of the representatives, one of the aldermen who stood in solidarity was talking to them about how many millions of dollars Chicago gives Hollywood in in sort of, uh, you know, subsidies and all kinds of incentives to film here. They owe them a contract. They owe them the basic level of protections for the amount of money they're taking from the city. They can give something back. Um, so I think that's more than worth a consideration. What have you been hearing from local actors that you've spoken to about why they're striking and how they're feeling right now? Sure. So especially, I mean, local is pretty much an extension of national as well, but there are some specificities to Chicago's uh, film and TV production industry. Uh, for those who don't know, obviously, a lot of Chicago set, set stuff is uh, shot here. All the Chicago Med, PD, Fire, the whole uh, Dick Wolfiverse, and uh, shows like Shameless and the and the Chai and uh, and the Bear, especially FX is the Bear, and a lot of that stuff is shut down right now. And I know a lot of Chicago actors are feeling the hurt, and uh, but they also stand in solidarity. Um, one uh, one actor I quoted in my story for Block Club Chicago, uh, Michael B. Woods, uh, we had a great conversation where we discussed um, the sense of solidarity that, that happens sort of nationwide, where a lot of folks in L.A. and New York are really standing and a lot of labor uh, organizations in Chicago are standing together. Um, so it's, you know, a, a lot of the issues they're really fighting for are residuals. Residuals, just for people who aren't super familiar with the industry, what does that mean? Sure. So when you work on a show, um, you, of course, get paid for the, the episode you do, whether you're a lead actor or a regular or a guest star. But um, especially if you work in a network show, and it is technically true for streaming as well, though the numbers are much smaller, um, you get paid in perpetuity um, for when that show goes on a rerun or gets aired again. Every time it airs somewhere, you're going to get a check. And that is very important for actors and writers because it is not, it's it's not an, an all-year thing unless you're one of the very rare few who is so successful that they can work year-round. A lot of times, actors and writers will have to subsist on residuals in slower seasons while they wait for, say, pilot season or a new show that they're pitching to get picked up or to join a writer's room for those shows that still have writer's rooms. Um, but basically, over the last few years, those opportunities have been shrinking as uh, as shows get smaller and smaller writers' rooms, get shorter and shorter seasons, like network shows will maybe have around 20, 22 episodes. A lot of streaming shows, as you may know, have like maybe eight to 10 episode seasons. So that's fewer episodes to get paid for. Um, and also streaming is very not transparent with how many people are actually viewing their stuff. So it's hard to get a good number on residual numbers there. So really the strike is about um, increase in, keeping up for, with, with sort of quality of life and being able to maintain a basic level of living. It's not, it's 
borderline apocalyptic, like what, what they're sort of, they're, they're, they're looking for survival, really. It's not really like a, a modest pay bump that they're looking for. These are ways to keep ahead in an increasingly precarious landscape for them. The City of Chicago Department of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection offers a free entrepreneur certificate program for future and current business owners in Chicago. Participants must complete six webinars within six months in designated webinar categories. Graduates are eligible to apply for the CIBC Bank USA Entrepreneur Loan Program, a bank partner with BACP. The longstanding program was created to support startup or early stage small businesses, gain entrepreneur training with important working capital. Since the program launched, more than 1,000 Chicago entrepreneurs and business owners have successfully completed the program. Completing the process is as easy as one, two, three. Number one, register by signing up at chicago.gov slash BACP certificate. Number two, attend six webinars by registering for upcoming webinars at chicago.gov slash BACP webinars. And number three, graduate from the program and you'll receive your digital certificate and information on connecting with CIBC Bank USA. To learn more about the BACP Entrepreneur Certificate Program, please visit chicago.gov slash BACP certificate. So writers have been on strike since early this summer. Uh, actors joined a, a little bit later. What do you think is the significance of of them coming together on this? Well, um, I mean, I think it's really a testament to how bad things are and also optimistically how much um, creatives stand in solidarity with one another. One frustration that I know WGA and SAG people have is that the DGA was also threatening to go on strike as well. That's the Directors Guild, correct? Yeah, the Directors Guild of America. Yeah. So actors, writers and directors um, having a three pronged strike would have really um, generated a lot of momentum to find a peaceful resolution. But they worked out a deal with executives executives pretty early on. And um, I think there's a, a sense of frustration that it would have, you know, their solidarity would have meant even more. But um, the fact that WG and SAG are standing together right now, I think shows how important they know they are to each other and how important they know they are to the entertainment business. And I think they see the same threats um, through, uh, through lack of pay and streaming residuals and wage increases and the rise of AI, especially. Um, they I think they see that the the rising tide lifts all boats. And so if the writers and actors can both come to an agreement, then everyone benefits. You talked a little bit about productions that have shut down here in Chicago and sort of Mm -hmm. just the the how that has sort of created. um, I think one source that you quoted in your block club story called it, you know, Cinespace was called a ghost town. Right. There's just sort of this this quietude that has come over (laughs) uh, film and TV production here in Chicago. But I am curious, you know. How is this strike and just the fact that we're expecting it to continue for who knows how long it's already been ongoing for uh, months and weeks now? You know, how is sort of the scene playing out here in Chicago that's maybe different from what people are seeing in coverage of L.A. or New York, for example? You know, my source, Michael, uh, the actor I talked to, was talking about the tension that happens with Chicago actors where they are much less incentivized to make these demands of themselves because they're always worried, well, we can just bring in an actor from L.A. or New York to just like fly them in to Chicago to shoot here. When there's a great pool of very talented uh, creatives and artists and actors and writers and everybody here in Chicago. And so there is a sense of like not trying to rock the boat sometimes. And so there is an added tension there by not 
being one of the major epicenters of um, of film and TV production. But um, I think it should. I think it goes to show how bad things are and how how sort of dire these circumstances are. That um, even they are putting this aside to stand in solidarity with everybody. Well, and you can imagine too, like because this is a you know this is a, a strike across the industry. Um, mm-hmm that maybe that empowers some of these local creatives to, yeah. to actually finally make those demands that, that maybe they weren't empowered to do before. Exactly. And I've talked to SAG strike captains who do feel emboldened by that nationwide support. Like the, this is a guild that has hundreds of thousands of members. Um, so yeah, I think they are, they are emboldened. I think people who are like number one on the call sheet are standing in solidarity with people who are uh, number 101 on the call sheet. So because I think everyone is seeing the dangers to their livelihoods, whether they're an A-lister or not. And a lot of times these A-listers uh, worked their way up to that level. So they know what it's like. And there was a video with Simu Leo um, a couple of days ago, uh, sort of talking about that, how a lot of folks paid their dues as background actors. And they want to make sure that those people on those sets have the same protections and the same ability to make a living that they do and are also not threatened by uh, getting photo scanned and just having their image used in perpetuity um, in AI deepfakes or whatever in the background and never getting a scent again. Another group of people that you spoke to here in Chicago are tradespeople who work on sets and who uh, do all kinds of things on productions and they are not striking. Um, yeah. But of course, they're not working on these local productions. What have they told you about sort of how they're uh, how they see the strike and what's happening? Yeah, it's really interesting and complicated because on the one hand, they absolutely stand in solidarity with SAG and WGA. They 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 are in principle um, on the side of labor and making sure that people uh, have the you know they see the executives making billions of dollars and millions of dollars in revenue uh, and not passing it along. You know where wages for regular workaday um, artists and creatives are staying stagnant, whereas executive. CEO pay is skyrocketing. And at the same time, um, it is still dramatically affecting their ability to work. I know a lot of tradespeople are moving out of working on show business and working just as tradespeople in other industries in Chicago. And uh, it makes the talent pool that much smaller when things cool down. Um, And I also know that there is sometimes, and this is sort of anecdotal, I think this is a general sort of, uh, there's a general sort of support, but sometimes there is a small resentment from tradespeople that they feel that when it is time for them to go to the, to, the, to the negotiating table, sometimes SAG and WGA don't stand with them in the same level of solidarity that they they expect otherwise when the shoe's on the other foot. Uh, whether that's true or not, you know, that is up to them. But that is sort of some, some of the sentiment that I am feeling where they agree in principle. They are also very much feeling it in their wallets. From what we can tell, both parties are sound like they're in this for the long haul. Uh you know, what do you think this will mean for Chicago's film and TV industry in the near future and and beyond? Oh, it is it is tough. I mean, I think as with any of these strikes, there's going to be inevitably a contraction, even if we come to an agreement at some point, even if uh, creatives and and the producers guild uh, come to an agreement. But, you know, I still think there's still going to be room for Chicago stories, uh, Chicago set stories. I think the rise in popularity of shows like The Bear that have become these like viral hits. Um, I, it's one of my favorite shows of the year, especially the second season. And then, you know, I don't think Dick Wolf would set up um, 
a, a different ser- series for every m- municipal service uh, in Chicago's history if there wasn't value in um, in audiences wanting to see these kinds of stories in our city. So um, I certainly hope that when the dust settles, there's still room for this, although I think there's still just sort of going to be rough waters ahead. In addition to the industry itself, you know, what are you watching for on sort of this side of the screen? We've got summer blockbuster season coming to a close, <laughs> fall TV season is approaching and yet we kind of have this big strike hanging over everything like what can maybe consumers uh tv watchers the rest of us kind of expect to see on this side of things well for sure i guess one thing i do want to say is that obviously just go see barbie and oppenheimer uh, as many times (laughs) as you possibly can um that's one thing i've been so grateful for as a film and tv critic because a lot of us get worried about the state of like artistic output and worried about like, oh, you know, people only want to see Marvel movies, but this is a year where Marvel movies are tanking and suddenly two movies from like that are auteur driven that like, yeah, one is a biopic and one is an is based on existing IP, but they are fresh ideas. They're good movies and people are going out in droves to see them like they outperformed a Mission Impossible movie, for God's sake. I did a Barbie brunch. I dressed up and did the whole thing. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. We're well, out it, there. It, I just it, it, it just showed me that if you build it, they will come. So there's obviously there's and also there's a rich cinematic history. You don't just have to see new releases. I highly encourage people to dig into archives, dig into stuff. I always tell people like, watch a movie set, watch a movie that was made before you were born. Watch a movie that that was set in black and white. Watch a movie with subtitles. Like there are great movies out there. There's a whole cinematic history. You can take some time to catch up on while we wait for productions to pick back up. And also there are um, houses and certain productions that are working with SAG and WGA to work out individual deals where if they're meeting their individual demands, they are authorized to continue production. I believe A24 productions qualify there. So if you're an A24 fan, um, go see Talk to Me in theaters now. Those are the folks behind, for folks who don't know, behind uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, right? Which might be the one that that people know. and Exactly. And Get Out and all, the, yeah, yeah, all kinds of big movies. They're sort of like probably the most mainstream indie studio right now. Um, But they and some other productions are working out deals. But yeah, I think there's still plenty of options. The movies, movies and TV have been around for nearly a hundred years now, more so in the, in the case of film. And uh, maybe this is a good opportunity for us to sort of look back and see stuff that we maybe missed or classics that we always said we would get around to or things like that. Um, There's just a vast library of stuff to uh, to sift through until this strike is resolved in the fall TV realm. Because, again, that to me, like fall TV season is my favorite. Like it's my favorite time of year. This is what I look forward to every fall. And we've been in a strike for the past, you know, pretty much all summer. Uh, So I'm I'm I have to say I'm a little worried and I don't know what to expect this season. I know, I know. Well, there's there's some really good stuff uh, coming up. Well, first of all, I mean, I'm still just kind of enjoying right now um, the second season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It's sort of the the adventures of the Enterprise before Kirk becomes captain. And it's really fun. You see like a young uh, Ensign Uhura played by Celia Rose Gooding, who's a Tony winner. And just this past week, as we record this, they put out Trek's first ever musical episode, which is a delight. It's so fun. Um, it's it's an absolute like goofy, corny cheeseball delight, and uh, I I rewatched it yesterday. It's really really great. But um, yeah, I mean there's 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 gonna be plenty of stuff to to still see. Um, you may see sort of a rise of more reality content, um, as was the case with the last strike in two thousand seven two thousand eight. But um, yeah, there's still gonna be plenty of uh, scripted shows that were filmed before the strike 
that should be coming out um, in the fall. Clint, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, breaking this down with me. No, this is this is lovely. Thank you so much. And a little bit of news before we let you go. The temporary casino at the Medina Temple in River North is now set to open in September. Ballets has pushed back the opening a couple times over the summer as the casino awaits final approvals from state gambling authorities. And some good news to get you through. The Illinois State Fair starts this week. Make sure you're subscribed to our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, where we'll have a guide to Springfield and some state fair history. That way you can get the most out of your trip and you can properly admire the famous butter cow. Subscribe at chicago.citycast.fm. Host Jacoby Cochran is back tomorrow when we'll be talking about the news and chatting about which cities truly count as Midwestern. We'll talk to you then. Yeah. Also, I've just been I've been peeping you on Twitter, too. And I I like your takes. I think your takes are good takes. So <laughs> Thank you. I've been I've been posting less and less as that place go, goes oh, more and more into a hellscape. But I uh, God, I, you, you never want to be on your deathbed being like I should have tweeted more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs>